Hello and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by two friends who love cinema. I'm Oliver and I'm joined by my co-host Gus. Tonight you'll be staying in room 147, Barbarian, the new subversive horror comedy directed by Zach Krieger. So go ahead and get comfortable and throw on that do not disturb sign as we host Halloween night in the safety of our hotel with Barbarian. This process might seem overwhelming, but with a little practice, it can soon become a pleasurable experience. This is perfectly natural. barbarians and thank you for checking back in to the grand cinema hotel tonight we'll be wrapping up the halloween season a very very long month in my personal opinion (laughs) (laughs) um and we will be discussing one of the most exciting movies of the entire year uh i'm joined by alvaro what's up guys and we'll be discussing zach kreger's directorial debut barbarian um alvaro you saw this movie before i did uh, how did you come across this movie? And I mean, I, I know you're going to say you just always check out new horror movies, but what made you interested in this? So I guess what was interesting about this one is AMC, because we have a list doesn't give out early access to much movies. It's always like special movies that they do it for. And this one had one and I hadn't seen the trailer for this one. So I kind of like referring to the early access screenings. A, yeah. The a list okay. offers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had not seen a trailer for this movie. I knew nothing about it, and I kind of like that about it. Usually I have some type of trailer idea, which kind of sways me to not want to watch it or watch it, which is kind of like the situation with Smile, but not not with this movie. So I kind of just wanted to go in there clean, and yeah, I walked out just kind of um, amazed, I think is the <laughs> word that I would choose. Uh, shocked? That's yeah. That's another way of putting it. Uh, I walked into this as well, not knowing anything. I mean, uh, me and you talk about movies basically all day, every day. And this isn't one that either of us really mentioned to the other. I mean, I feel like we both knew about it, but for some reason we never were like, hey, do you want to see that movie? Or um, I think Letterboxd was probably, I saw the poster for it when it was going to come out. But I honestly heard about it from um, Sean Fennessy. I mean, the patron saint of movie podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, have us on one day, please. <laughs> um, it kind of had that word of mouth of like, don't know anything, you know. Um, oh, okay. Uh, that was that was everything I started seeing, you know, the week leading into the movie was like, don't know anything when you go in, don't watch the trailer, don't talk to anybody, just go in as blind as possible, um, which felt nice because that feels very antiquated nowadays. Like that's not something that... Um, there's not really the communal movie experience anymore. You know, everything feels so isolated nowadays. Like I agree, yeah. you have the people who are like, I only go see Marvel or IP movies or no, I don't go see those. I only see these type of, yeah, exactly. I only see these type of movies. But, um, when I saw it the first time I went with you, so it was your second time and, um, it was packed. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, the hype train got rolling on this movie and, really came out of nowhere to me and i feel like it's like that for most people too yeah i was i was gonna say correct me if i'm wrong this is a um 
a Mickey movie, right? Like this is a Disney movie, <laughs> a and, Mickey movie, yeah. In some, yeah. in some, in, it's in aspects. So I, yeah, exactly, right. So I feel so. like it's it was in it. Is it in a way being empty manned at first? Because I don't think this is really yes, gonna. It is. It's not gonna supposedly get a physical release, right? No. And I feel like um, that's why the trailer for this wasn't prevalent, and I I don't think they really marketed this movie. Um, the posters are all really cool, by the way. This is oh yeah, the artwork is fantastic. All of them, whether it be fan artwork or official, I love all of it. Yeah, it's been really nice. But um, I think that's also a way, like they were kind of trying to like hide it in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think in in a way that benefited because it just kind of got word of mouth. And we were kind of talking about this a little off pod a little bit. Probably talk about it a little bit more later. But it just seems like people are really into horror this year. Yeah, this is uh. This is one of the uh, best horror years, I would say, financially and um, critically. You know, like the the consensus is that, yes, horror has won. Like if they were giving away an Academy Award for the best genre, I think horror by far is just has a leg up on everybody. You know? Like, yeah. Um, you, comedy? What's that? That doesn't even exist anymore, really. Um, action movies this year? Trash. You know, adventure movies? Trash. Like... Horror really has kind of stepped up and kind of just taken that spotlight from what would maybe be like sci-fi in another year. Or, uh, I, I mean, who who knows what it usually is? I, I guess it's usually just like Marvel or DC superhero movies, right? Like when I think about genre, that seems to be the prevalent one. Yeah, the only prevalent one now. What's the one that I feel like it's in everybody's face the most? What genre do I feel like is well, in No, like Marvel or DC movies, whatever. Like, that just feels like it's the thing everybody kind of talks about. Movies as a whole, most people talk about. Yeah, it's like a personality trait at this point. Mm. Yeah, I, I watch the movies. I watch She-Hulk. I have a, I go to Avengers Campus at California Adventure. You know? yeah. I've been to Pim's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah. We both know people just like this. So it's funny. Duality, maybe I've been both people at one time or another. No, I mean, I mean, we, we were kind of talking about just being excited for other genres of movies, but as we were also talking about off pod, this uh, podcast is very built on horror, and that's what this film does really good. I think is um, kind of just embrace the themes that we like in this podcast a you lot. Know, I didn't realize until um, earlier in the week when we were just talking about the pod and how it's been. It's been a little over a year, right? I didn't realize that half of the episodes are horror, and I, that is not what I expected. Like, <laughs> I really didn't think that it would be like basically half a horror podcast, you know. But I love it. What am I gonna say? Can't help it. Um, I do think I'm kind of like sick and tired of talking about horror right now, but not not barbarian, just you know horror. So I'm glad we got we could get this one out of the way before we kind of move off that until the next big thing comes out yeah <laughs> i i feel you but yeah i mean pound for pound horror is is a uh, winning right now you know so i mean again going back to barbarian this great movie in terms of spoilers do you want to try to start as long as we can before we get into any mm, yeah let's do like let's do the synopsis right yeah we'll we will preface the spoilers because you could talk about 40 minutes of this movie without spoiling anything. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's very important that this is one of these movies because it was trying to be buried in a way that it is pretty important that if you're listening to this and haven't watched the movie that you probably should. And then you might understand why we felt that this 
I mean, we watched this film kind of a while ago now. Yeah. We saw it like the day before my birthday. Yeah. It came out the weekend of my birthday. Um, the same way Malignant did the year before. So I was kind of like, oh, two for two. Like, yeah. Do you remember uh, when the uh, Star Wars sequels came out? That was like our thing for your birthday. Yeah. So I would always be like, oh, let's go see the new Star Wars movie. For the past couple of years, I usually get a good one. Like uh, you oh, took me to see uh, It when it came out in 2017. And then uh, Malignant, I watched that on my birthday. And then, uh, yeah, this year, Barbarian was like the last movie I saw before my birthday. So that was that's been really fun so, so yeah like in september we're yeah. at the end of october now. and like obviously we also felt it was the right time to drop it because it's it's on vod now on hbo so um we rewatched it again and it, it has that rewatchability um you always want to show it to somebody yeah definitely and because it, this isn't a movie we accounted for either no like you know when we saw x and we heard about pearl i'm pretty sure in the x episode we're like we're gonna talk about pearl when it comes out but I, this kind of just blindsided us, really. Um, but let's let's go with the synopsis first. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, I have it here. So, okay. uh, in town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late at night, only to find that has it has been mistakenly double booked and a strange man is already staying there. Against her better judgment, she decides to stay the night anyway, but soon discovers that there is a, there is much more to be afraid of in the house than the other guest. So I do think that um, off this premise alone or off this synopsis alone, that this is maybe something that would have turned me off. And the week before uh, last episode last week, when we talked about bodies, 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 one thing I didn't mention that I wanted to was that sometimes I think that when movies are so like ingrained in the, in what's going on right now in the world, they kind of become a little off-putting because it's like, well, I don't need a movie. Like, I'm sure I could hear some story on Reddit or um, someone make a YouTube video in uh, much greater detail than this movie goes into and kind of, um, you know, get the horror that way, you know? Yeah. Like how people like like murder mystery, things like that. Um, so I wouldn't, if I had known it was about an Airbnb, I might have been like, mm, but... We're not going to get into it now, but there is a lot more going on with this movie. Interestingly that enough, plot point. I think it's, I feel the same way, but I had went, I went to go see Gone in the Night this year, which is a movie Winona Ryder's in, and it's the same premise. So it's an Airbnb movie as well? It's not necessarily an Airbnb, it's a cabin in the mountains, mm. but it's double booked. So it's interesting that like, I didn't know, again, I didn't know what this movie was about, and when it started that way, I was like, no way, there's two movies this year with that same premise. And kind of felt the same way that you did. Be like, oh, my God. There's like, a lot of rental movies lately. There's Dave Franco's The Rental from uh, a year or two ago. There was a movie this year with, uh, oh, no, you know what? That's not a rental. But um, there's a movie with Jason Siegel and Jesse Plemons where, um, you know, intruder in a vacation home type of. Okay. Uh, yeah. So a lot of a lot of um, fear, apparently, and like renting housing <laughs> renting yeah. housing right that's like a communal fear we have now and i think that's that could only be um a problem in well i guess not i was gonna say it could only be a problem in today's society but if you think way way back in the day like founding times like could you imagine you go to another town you have to stay in this inn or like uh in back in like the western days like you just pull up to this like hotel slash brothel our, in our inn, huh? yeah exactly our imaginary hotel <laughs> exactly um but 
I, yeah, I, I think this is just kind of like that fear of the unknown. Like that's one of the themes of this movie for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of different um, themes and ideas that this movie. I don't know if they successfully point them all out, but there's a lot going on here for a horror movie. I don't want to say it's elevated, quote unquote, but yeah, I wouldn't say I think that. It fits somewhere in the middle between elevated and like total exploitation camp, like shit movie you know yeah. what i mean like it, it should be a bad movie no yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah, right? yeah it should <laughs> it should I, that's 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 like a, when i first walked out i feel like that was something i wasn't used to but that was so because we're getting spoiled with what i think is really good horror films this year and so this takes a different route and then at first you kind of read a little bit about the director right and he kind of gives you little sentiment of where he's from and then he's the like, he's one kids you know yeah yeah like, hmm, okay but i think that's why the movie's grown on me after rewatches i think once i kind of settled into knowing what i'm getting into it's it's um very unique i mean the movie when you boil it down to the movie is made by a guy who is a a sketch comedian slash twitch streamer slash youtuber like this is more in line with what i think you would get than Someone like Jordan Peele, even though they come from the same world. And I brought up Jordan Peele because I I was reading that um, he was kind of a, a a guide, you know, like a kind of a mentor to Zach Kreger going into this, which I thought was really kind of just sweet. You know, it was like yeah. passing that torch of like, oh, someone else like me is going to come in and, you know, make some crazy movie that people are going to love. And um, not that you can compare the two at all, but it kind of is taking that get out trajectory of being this really small movie that uh, I think you said has already made like 10 times its budget or mm. like a, <laughs> something ridiculous, right? Yeah. It costs four. It made 42. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's pure get out stuff. You know, it, yeah. that was exactly what get out did was uh, somewhat something similar like that. But yeah, dude, going into this movie, I just really didn't couldn't have ex- I could not have expected it to go this way. Right. Yeah, I think um, something I wanted to bring up because he's, I don't like calling movies content, right? But the fact that everything else that he does is content. Yeah, hey, I don't make movies. I make content, content. okay? Yeah. They make movies. They don't they make content, yeah. okay? But the fact that he makes all the other stuff that is, I would consider content, so the Twitch stuff, right? Is that I think he knows how to keep people's attention. That's It kind of kind of forces you to, you know, to understand how to keep um everything coming at at the right pace and i think that this film for some reason has so much in its runtime that i don't think it's very long it's only an hour 40 i think it feels an hour though doesn't it yeah like if i really sit there and think about it it feels like an hour long movie because there's not like um not a lot really happens but there's so much tension between what happens and i think that's why this movie really stands out to me personally yeah it's it's, there's a lot of things um that you necessarily wouldn't you know the situations where you're like just leave or i would get out or that doesn't make any sense i think they do a good way of justifying those things like as in like in the pearl episode when just leave just leave right just move out of your town They they do really good really good ways of justifying those things and and i think what this movie does really well is just play with the the the, the viewer really well oh, the yeah. audience member you know with our expectations in other horror movies that we watched all year so with um i kind of wanted to get back to zach Kreger a little bit and kind of how this movie came about so um 
he read a book called The Gift of Fear that was written by some like long time veteran in this like security business, right? And he wrote this book, and there was a section of the book that um, was all about women like trusting their instincts more, right? And um, when they come across these small red flags that they feel subconsciously that arise, or well, that arise just in their daily conversations with men. Just this idea of like not ignoring that, like you're you're probably not wrong that you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Zach Kreger just kind of he got the inspiration from that book of that idea of like, what if I made this really fun scene of a woman just ignoring every single red flag you could think of, and then having to sub having to also subvert that like once you've set that up. And I honestly think that this movie is. It seems a little, a little much and like kind of a reach, but I th- I do think that this is like a master class in subverting expectations. Oh no, yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think even though I don't the, think it's like the best written movie ever, like I do think there's a lot of heavy-handed, kind of cringe, kind of cringe stuff in it. Like gives me, um, although I love them, it kind of gave me like Bo Burnham energy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm a self-aware white guy who realizes that I'm probably the villain. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when king behavior. But, yeah, so there's there's certain things like that. Like, although I do think it's like extremely well put together, that there is some heavy-handed messaging in the movie that's kind of like, I don't need you to tell me that, you know? Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's like this perfect mix of like a being a really, I do think it's like a really bad and good movie at the same time, but like that it weighs out. It like it, it evens out for me at least like all the good what i was gonna say is i think we're comparing it to get out but i i think those subverting the audience's expectations really work in this film a lot because well we can get probably into the cast a little bit but like bill skarsgård yeah you so, know yes is that he's he's obviously i don't feel like we're any hot take here he's a really good actor so i feel like all the subverting of expectations for him to be the main point of that. And, and I feel like one of the two, I guess, what would you call like not a fork because fork has four, but like part of a two end, um, very important themes is the two males or prevalent males in this film, you know? And I think he, how much importance he has to the stuff that you're talking about might be heavy handedness, maybe in a way, but just end up working for this film the way that it, where it decides to take it. But Bill Skarsgård being a staple piece of this movie, I feel is really helps this film yeah, in terms so of being respectable. I think that the, the biggest high mark that you can give this movie is the subversion on every level. Yeah. Like the, the, the plot, the way he subverts the plot the way he subverts audience expectation by casting the people that he casts. Right. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. Casting Bill Skarsgård as the, as a, like as a white knight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this man is up. He's a Hasanabi head. He's, he's heard, yeah, the, you know, exactly. he knows the good word of like being a, 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 a woke male. You know what I mean? Like that. And that is a good thing. But then you cast you cast Justin Long as the like <laughs> the toxic Giga Chad, right? Yeah. Oh my God, one of my favorites. When Justin Long is, he's well known as like he's a scream queen. You know, let's just be real here. He's <laughs> a scream queen. Yeah. Justin Long is one of our great <laughs> horror uh, actors. Like I, he's extremely talented, and I love the, I love a lot of his work. But 
you don't see him like that. Like Zach Kreger kind of referred to him, and uh, this is also a reach. He's like, when you think of Justin Long, you think of somebody like Tom Hanks. Like I know that guy. That's the guy from the Apple commercials. Yeah, That's yeah, the guy exactly. From Creek. Oh, he's <laughs> yeah. accepted. He went to the South Harvard <laughs> Institute of Technology. You know, that casting him as like a an uh, like as an antagonistic character. I don't. But he's is he is he not? You know, like. That's something we'll get into a little later. <laughs> yeah, but, but I just think on every level that like they subvert your expectations from the casting to how they seriously how the audience is going to react to the movie to the plot. Best part of the movie, honestly. My smile, if I could explain it, just you just describing him being in this movie, but then also when I first watched the movie, seeing him being in it because not knowing even the cast, you know. Oh my god, it just felt. Um, the perfect cast for what this movie goes and where it tends to go in terms of its its tone. You know, I just couldn't... Talking about Jeepers Creepers, that's something I kind of... We've talked about on this podcast on the Horror Showdown, just like how much it... I don't know if it's a good movie, but I it meant a lot to me. Or it was one of my favorite ones as a kid. But then um, to also have... When they comedies justin long yeah exactly uh, that's one of the most haunting images like one of the first haunting images of my life and there's yeah. so much resemblance in this film to that that workshop of um, jeepers creepers in terms yeah. of uh, you know which is another thing that's like um not expecting but it goes there um but what i was going to say but it's also having those comedies under seth rogan you know to, to be to know that he's so funny yeah, and I, I this this film just does those masterfully weaves in between those two films, and in a way that's kind of like abrupt, honestly. It, it like even the the way the editing is is abrupt. Abrupt, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like what really stood out to me in this film. So we've kind of been jumping around. We've done some first impressions. We've kind of talked about how the movie came to be a little bit. Um, I kind of wanted to wrap this up before we get into the cast because I feel like once we get into the cast, we can really start talking about spoilers and all those things. Um, so um, my overall take for this, if I had to try to sell it to somebody or like if they said, what was your um, if they were if this was like the 80s when you come out of the movie theaters, I was like, Channel 5, how did you feel watching that movie? Nah. Right. I'd be like, oh, this is extremely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> but it was honestly a perfect time at the movies. Um, it was packed house. Uh, you know, you are you know, you've seen something worth watching when uh, one person walks out and goes dumb. And then uh, the two people who were sitting next to you are giggling with joy, you know, discussing what they just witnessed. Like, did you see that? Yeah. Um, and that was the that was the experience I had. Um, I was, you know. I was with you and I was a giggling dumb friend on the way out. I thought this was, pro I walked out and I was like, this is my malignant this year. Yeah. Right. And uh, I don't think it exactly holds up to malignant in the same way. Uh, I still think malignant reigns supreme as the, the ultimate, like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as the ultimate, what the fuck dumb, this is good. This is bad movie. You know, like I feel like we, uh, this is two years now of having something truly, um, revolting perverse you know I, mean? <laughs> I like that yeah like just it uh it it made some audience members just upset and others you know they had the time of their lives and i was on that side i had the time of my life watching this <laughs> i think it uh the energy that i felt watching it um was what i would imagine is midnight horror showings for halloween you know mm -hmm. be like you just watch something be like this is such a halloween movie and this is this is just thematically 
for the horror fans. This is like what you would want. This is a uh, subverting your expect expectations, taking from those B horror movies that people love so much, and just elevating it, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. It seems a lot of our directors do, and seem that being able to do that is, I think, what differentiates better directors from others i just thought of this on the spot before we get to the cast i have to say one last thing about the marketing the marketing budget and the marketing for this movie was very small i mean i actually can't speak to how much the marketing was but from the lack of uh advertisement i would say it wasn't high right and the ultimate biggest con of having a low budget and no marketing which other places like a24 and neon get right I need an online ceramics barbarian tea. Yeah, you seriously. know what I mean? Like I, I, like I need yeah, I like the point. merch for this movie. Directors fits, uh, online ceramics, or even somebody like Dumb Good. Please just I need the barbarian merch. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those movies, and I think this kind of goes along with the like midnight movie thing you're talking about. Yeah. And when I think of like midnight movies, I think of the night of the living dead. Exactly. So like I want to be the fucking uh, 40-year-old neckbeard in a flannel wearing a barbarian t-shirt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I want to be, uh, when I turn into comic book guy from The Simpsons, I want to be like, well, actually, barbarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, barbarian that, and malignant, right? Yeah, exactly. Gabriel Hive, rise up. I, <laughs> I like to think that the Gabriel Nation had something to do with the success Bar of the, Barbarian. Yeah. You know, we, we felt that um, Zach Kreger was the protege, you know, the... Uh, I, I don't even want to get into it, but, uh, you know, our uh, our creature, <laughs> yeah, least, yeah. Uh, I do think that that is like a, that is a second coming of Gabriel, you know, a lot of inspiration there and uh, Malignant is king. We can wrap up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Malignant episode is done. Part yeah, two. Here we go. Malignant again. Um, I, I keep saying we're going to get into the cast, but now that I've now that, you know, I've uh, I've said the beast name, I kind of have to keep talking. about Right. It. Um, how do you feel about this movie being compared to Malignant? Like, for you, is this like what you wish Malignant would have been? Because I know you're very low on Malignant, and I, I, you've made some bold statements in the past that you don't think that that's a movie you'll grow to enjoy. No, I like this movie a lot more than Trash. I like Malignant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like this. I, wait, uh, this is my Malignant. I think. Okay, it just okay. took a while to. Um, understand that I think not um, at first I didn't know that I liked this movie right off the get go but I wasn't sure if I loved it and then after watching it and the experience that it is as like I think this is my malignant you know I'm a big uh, I'm a big watcher of what the real row is doing on Letterboxd and I noticed uh, upon you know the first two rewatch the first two watches it was a three and a half and i saw uh, he bumped it to a four i'm just saying follow this guy he uh, <laughs> can't make up his goddamn mind it's ticked in the middle it's ticked okay. in the middle somewhere right there so uh you did enjoy this uh your last rewatch more than the other two times yeah which is uh interesting knowing where it's going i think it's because i paid more attention to how it was crafted which i might want to get into after we get into the cast yeah, we'll do that right now but go ahead but yeah like i i think the how the film is crafted i think is something that i really noticed on this watch that is something uh that a, a movie that has the budget that it has usually doesn't take the time to take care of and i thought that was worth th that like it'll stand in time because of that nice nice yeah i i would like to think that this is a movie that's gonna stand the test of time and be a big uh Oh, you like horror? 
you got to check out Barbarian. That's a, that you know, much like The Empty Man, much like Malignant, you know, you these are the type of movies that you become like a a, a like a disciple of. part of the you know high. What I mean, like you have to you have to go out there and spread the good word. Like, have you seen Barbarian? Oh, you have to see Barbarian. Yeah. It's so good. Check it out. It's on HBO Max. You know, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've seen you do it to like two people this week already. You know, you were like, have you seen Barbarian? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hey, proud of you, you Proud of you for that. Uh, okay, cast. We're here. We're here. This is a big. This is another high mark for the movie, right? Very. Um, it's a good mixture. I would say, you know, you have three main players, right? Mm-hmm. You have uh, Georgina Campbell. She's our uh, our protagonist, our uh, our woman mentioned from the synopsis. You know, she's out of town. She's from out of town. She's here in uh, the Detroit Brightmore area for a job interview, and she um, she has the double booked Airbnb, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, booked with Bill Skarsgård, fucking Pennywise, bro. Nice. You ever heard of him? Uh, my wife, she's not really a uh, big like, oh, I know this actor's name right. or whatever type of person. Uh, there can only be one person like that in the house. She's normal. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking <laughs> space for all of us. Uh, <laughs> kind of like that that clip of uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder where uh, Jay Baruchel's going on about the difference between <laughs> Blu-ray and DVD. My wife is often like, were you talking to me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I was just podcasting out loud just in case anybody wanted to listen. You know, free episode. Maybe you or the baby would find this interesting. I guess I'm the only one. You guys aren't antennas. Yeah. This isn't being not, broadcasted right, right now. <laughs> but uh, it, she said it was the eyes. She's like, I saw his eyes and she knew. She's like, that's Pennywise. Huh? So like you said, Bill Skarsgård is a, uh, is a great actor and it has a lot to do with that look. You know, I don't know if he's a, a handsome man or not. That's not. I, never I know, really, right? I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Creeps me out. <laughs> right? But I'm like, I guess he's devilish. <laughs> yeah, de- he's devilish. He's, yeah, he's I like. quite debonair. Because I think the other reason he's a very good actor seems to be something in that blood of that last name too. Yeah, of course, dude. The Baron, you know, um, we got um, the Northman. The Baron, the Beowulf, and Pennywise. You know, they, but uh, he. Like we've talked about with the uh, subverting expectations, right? You when you cast someone who is known for playing one of the um, scariest, the, big, yeah. the scariest, biggest, most iconic uh, monsters in in fiction, you're gonna that's gonna that's gonna stick with you forever. You know, I wouldn't call it a stain because that feels negative, but it's a uh, it's something that people are always going to remember. Yeah, right? and. Uh, the other thing I've kind of found interesting, this is kind of jumping a little forward, but Zach Kreger uh, cited Psycho as a big inspiration for this movie. Okay. And, mm, okay, yeah, sure, right? Again, but, you yeah. talked about that with, oh, I think, Embodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Exactly. And she's like, this inspired me. And you're like, you're just stating the movies you yeah. really like. Triple B's, as I'm referring to it for time, it was, uh, was Chekhov and uh, Barbarian <laughs> is Psycho, but, you know. <laughs> I digress. We'll save that for another day. I do like the confidence. Uh, one thing I did like, though, was I thought it was a nice homage to uh, Psycho. Was that Bill Skarsgård gets to have a Janet Lee moment? You know what I mean? Of like the big, the big reveal, the big twist is like the mo- that just happened to the most famous person in this movie. Yeah, uh, but. Going along with the, the the subverting expectations, Justin Long, like we talked about, 
well-known actor. I wouldn't exactly say he is uh, on the level of Bill Skarsgård. He has always been in that like mid-budget. Justin Long, okay, Justin Long is not the, the type of movie star that he should be because the type of movies that he succeeds in do not really get made anymore, right? Yeah. So like he, you know, he's a, he's a scream queen, like we said. He's been in many horror movies and all iconic, honestly. Drag Me to Hell, oh, no. Tusks, uh, uh, Tusk. Uh, Jeepers Creepers, and now this, right? So mm. all within different time periods, too. So he always comes back, even though he does also, like, he did a lot of romantic comedies, you know, a lot of just, like you said, I don't know if he, I, you, you mentioned Seth Rogen. I don't remember him actually working with Seth Rogen, but that that um, that time frame, you know, of, like, the Judd Apatows and the, uh, I guess, the Justin Long. It's Zach and Mary make a porno. Oh, okay, there you go. Granny okay, panties. Okay. It's so it's such a small scene, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's in dodgeball. Yeah, there you go. So right. that's what I mean, like what you were talking that about ben the Renaissance. Stiller, Judd Apatow, two thousands. I don't know. And in retrospect, I don't know if I would say I like love those movies, but it is a little comedy thing that I miss. So those movies yeah, hold so a special weight. Exactly. Justin Long is an actor who has been in our lives for a very long time because, like you said, those are not necessarily uh, the greatest things ever committed to the medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they definitely hold a special place in like ten year old Gus's heart. You know. I mean, like, oh, dude, the school he goes to is called shit. Ah! Yeah, I'm not surprised people weren't seeking him out after after the movies he was in during this era. Um, I mean, just talking about like knowing in the childhood, for example, like he was in Herbie. Herbie fully loaded. Yeah. Thought you were a cinephile. You didn't know that. And I'd be like, I don't remember, but I've seen. <laughs> I remember lo- liking that movie a lot. So that's what I'm saying. Just been in our lives a long time, our whole our whole life almost. Yeah. So, and like we said, Zach Kroger kind of referred to him as like a Tom Hanks. You know, whatever that the means. Apple commercial guy. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a Mac. I'm a PC. Uh, that is some boomer shit. Yeah. You know, we're getting old. But even him being in this movie, the kind of role that he's playing uh, now that the movie is getting even more press and more interviews, um, we've learned that Zac Efron was originally considered for the role. The character, um, the character's name is AJ. We haven't actually mentioned any of the characters' names yet, but we'll start here. Um, the character of AJ was meant to be this kind of like himbo, you know, good-looking douchebag type of actor. It's kind of like, oh, I wonder why Zac Efron didn't want to be in this movie. Like, yo, you encapsulate this perfectly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, what the heck? Uh, I had mentioned to you that I thought uh, Jimmy Tatro would have been a I good like choice that. for this. Uh, yeah. If you guys are I familiar with him, I think he would have fit that perfectly if that's what they had really decided to go for. But um, not only does Justin Long subvert expectation because of how long we've known him and how we've grown to trust him as an actor, like with the kind of roles he's in, but uh, even the he you know he's i would say he's maybe the most evil person in this movie but he comes off as the most uh the person you would least suspect you know what i mean like if he was in a room if you if it was the usual suspects and you lined him up you'd be like not definitely not him no way no shot but i just think that adds to the the subversion i mean that's what we should call this the subversion Mm -hmm. episode but (laughs) yeah justin long incredible performance hilarious <laughs> agreed I, I it's just it was a really standout because um i haven't seen tusk so it's been a long time since i've seen justin long really um 
Yeah, I mean, and, and having an actor like Justin Long, the reason I think that this movie is um, able to even really work, like I was saying, like this should be a bad movie because of how disgusting his character is. If it isn't Justin Long, how are you going to feel for this guy at, at all? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, good there's point. There's no fucking way that Zac Efron would have got me to... I, Zac Efron is funny, but I don't think he would have gotten me to... I wouldn't say side with him, but kind of like rooting for the worst person, you know, like when Justin Long is doing some of the things he does in this, you can kind of like, oh, that that piece of shit. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like you trusted him. You shouldn't have trusted him. (laughs) But yeah, man, Justin Long really, really fucking as AJ, he really carries this movie. Um, I don't know if this is too much of a. A gripe, but uh, Georgina Campbell, like we said, she plays the main character, Tess. I don't know how I feel about her, you know? I know this has been a big, like, oh, uh, a big woman in horror year, right? Yeah. Women are carrying horror, but I don't know if this woman is carrying horror. Does she realize the type of movie she is, she's in? Um, is it? Can you forgive someone for denying this many red flags, you know? She's a good person. She is a good person, but you... <laughs> When you're paired up with AJ, you cannot yeah, be a good exactly. person. Yeah. You know? And Zach Kreger, I don't know if it was lovingly, but referred to the character as a fucking idiot. She doesn't understand what she's what she's walked into. And, you know, very rarely do you see someone, I guess only in movies, do you see someone escape and actually, I'm going to go back and try to save this person who I have no clue who they are. You know, but I guess that's it's just how good of a person she is. I mean would have left his ass there i could have sensed his negativity from a mile away <laughs> yeah i yeah I, I i guess that's like a lot of gripe with a lot of horror movies in terms of the characters making the decisions but i think that this movie does in retrospect watches tries to justify those decisions as much as i've seen most movies try at least try you know yeah, so i i don't think that she gives a bad performance but i do think because she is the most or they um, had the, the smallest career so far. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen her at all. I've seen her from the Black Mirror episode, Hang the DJ, that she was in. I mean, much like many young actors, they were in a Black Mirror episode and then kind of varying degrees of success. They can't all be Daniel Kaluuya, but, <laughs> I mean, Barbarian is not a bad movie to be in, you know? No. Um, but I, I just think it's not it's not her Although I don't think her performance is great, I do feel it, it does feel a little line reedy. Like it doesn't feel like these are words that she's thinking. It feels like words that she was told to say. Where Bill Skarsgård and Justin Long, because they're such good actors, it, they feel more lived in as their characters. Like I really do believe them. With Tess, it kind of feels like the 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 heavy handedness of the script that I didn't really enjoy, because a lot of it's coming from her that. I don't want to call it a misstep, but it's one of the things that doesn't really work for me. Yeah, those are tonal differences that I noticed in the beginning of the first watch. It's why it's notably, I gave it a three and a half. Is <laughs> Notably. <laughs> <laughs> or the difference. As in, t- in one person, me noticed. Yeah, <laughs> like, but um, that, just because I thought that the, the tonal differences didn't seem to work for me at first. or I wasn't sure how I felt about them, the mesh of them. And then I think... Now I've grown to appreciate that the meshes, um, although we've talked about the director's, I don't know, direction in terms of what he might have wanted to do with the result of this movie. I, I do think it just, 
in this special world that this movie is, it works. It yeah. works for this movie. So we can kind of get into the movie more now that we've uh, set up our characters and we have our synopsis. Um, this is where the fun really starts. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I didn't think we'd get this far without, uh, you know, kind of getting into the movie. But here we go, man. So like we said, double booked Airbnb. We have Tess. We have Bill Skarsgård. His character's name is Keith. Um, and instantly, as soon as the movie starts, uh, spoilers from this point on, right? Yep. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. If Oops. you don't want to know, just if you have HBO, watch this movie. I guarantee you will enjoy this way more after you've seen it. Um, in my opinion, it would be a disservice for us to tell you about this movie if you hadn't already seen it. You know, like I, this is not the type of movie I would want to ruin for anybody. I agree. No, no, no. You have to go see this on your own. So, uh, I, 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 rarely am I ever going to say stop the episode now and st- stop listening. But for this movie, please do, please do. So you can really just kind of enjoy how fun it really is. Um, so we have the double booked Airbnb. We have Keith, we have Tess and, uh, right from the get go, it starts the uncomfortableness and the tension just really starts building of what would you do in this situation? You know, first red flag, double booked Airbnb, I wouldn't stay there even as you know as a guy this is something that's brought up later on of like well you know if you were a guy you just march right in and I don't feel that way at all like I couldn't believe it I know I know we have to have a movie but I just be like uh, I I would rather sleep in the hotel parking lot in my car than here yeah all right am I crazy here? I think I think okay what this movie does I guess that I wanted to start with with uh, the camera work starts off from the get-go working really well for me we get these um screams right from outside of her car and we see a character is already kind of distressed or you know from it seems i would assume she's running late the airport all these things and she's getting a text from what seems like a guy that she's not talking to anymore you're very annoyed to not talk to anymore and i think that the only reason this is worth bringing up is by the time that she gets to the door it's almost like that the last thing you wanted to find out is, is this place is double booked you know and uh the powers given to our character here of keith but i think she was so like obviously we've talked about the director talking about like the ca- kind of character that she is she was more prevalent to do what's more convenient or comfortable than to do the obvious which i mean there's an attempt to right in the later scenes after this there's there's an attempt to try to do the logical i'll go to a hotel but there's a convention. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's but, only I mean, one try, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, I called one hotel, and this stranger told me that all the other hotels are booked. Okay. You can't book another Airbnb and then get the refund later, right? So I, I guess I could see why, like, you know, like, we're, we're instant. As much as we love this movie, we're already kind of tearing apart the, like, why would you do this? Why would you do this, right? So I could see why that doesn't work for people. Maybe because it's like a... Um, I don't want to say like victim blaming, but like you can't believe how stupid the person is that you are yeah. watching and kind of like how we felt with bodies, 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 right? Or triple B's, my bad. Triple B's. <laughs> no, I, but I think uh, the character, the reasons that we know that she's in like Detroit, right? Like what she's yeah, trying yeah. to go do, I think is uh, someone trying to chase their dream again, being very ambitious in their decisions. Um, again, kind of going back to the camera work a little bit, it's just, um, as the audience being set up for where you think you are as opposed to where we later find out we are is the same 
reveal that our character gets, which I think uh, is. I don't want to really get well. too off track, but since you've mentioned the camera work, I I thought about this now. Because since you brought it up, it honestly wasn't something I really thought about. I don't think this movie really hit me in that way from a technical standpoint of like, oh wow, I thought it was so well crafted. But it it what you're talking about, just like the arrival and how it's shot and edited edited. I do think it has something that Hereditary and other movies have um, popularized, which is like having this like dollhouse. This isn't r- reality mm-hmm. feel. I see where like you're going with yeah. the camera work. You know, mm-hmm. like it feels. It doesn't feel like she act. To me, at least, it doesn't feel like she came from the airport. It feels like the story opens up and our person arrives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel that way about, well, like, these things you were saying. It just feels like a like, like a play or like a dollhouse where, you know, you're just kind of opened up and like, okay, now you're in this world. No explanation. Here we go. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, going back to the, um, the red flags and what's going on here. So, Keith, <laughs> uh, an- more subversion here, right? He plays this, like, perfect white knight gentleman, right? Um very similar to one of the roles in men, you know, I've seen that comparison thrown around a lot that this is a more successful attempt at what men was trying to do. I don't even feel like they're trying to do the exact same thing. Neither do I, but I could see what they were talking about. I think his name was Rory, that character in men, but yeah, I definitely got Rory vibes. Um, and how about that? It turns out he's a perfect gentleman and knows all of his manners. And he also happens to be a high value male. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, he's very top G. But yep. he, uh, <laughs> he just so happens to be, you know, the perfect guy. When does this ever happen? You know, it almost feels like it could be some like chintzy meat cute from a romantic comedy, you know, like. I was like, no fucking shot. They fall in love. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I will. I I walk if they fall in love. You know what I mean. I leave. I I really was like, you're kidding me, but um, because of his awkwardness and you know the circumstance itself, he plays very coy and defensive. Which you know, because he's Pennywise, you're like, I I already saw you do that in another movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Fucking work on me. Might work on her dumbass. Yeah, like, but I know you're evil. (laughs) I can see you, Snake Man. For some reason, his charm, right, yes. that he seems to have, I don't know, works on her Funny, in this movie. Some call it charm. I call it Creeping. predatory nature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his eyes don't move, huh? Yeah, what the fuck is that? But, uh, cold, you know, cold stare. the circumstance that we're in here leaves them with no other choice but to share the house for the night. And um, from there, it really kind of threatens to become like a haunted house movie which i guess you could argue it somewhat is i mean zach Kreger claims this is a very fucking haunted house in his own words um but some people are calling that a plot hole i don't know really how to feel about that yet. i told you because you brought it up earlier today when we were preparing for the episode and it's like i didn't know that i guess it's like hinted on i don't know if it was obvious you know, like for him to think such to make a such a strong statement on that. So we're we're we are getting there to the you know the reveal, the twist, and everything. The blah. But <laughs> at this point, I don't. I, okay, well, because we don't know that yet, I could see why you're like, "What do you mean this house is haunted?" But after knowing what I know, I'm like, "All right, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No shit. After what I now that I know what goes down in this house, like, yeah, this place is for sure haunted." 
Yeah, but, but yeah, I guess it's, it's also not played upon really because it doesn't seem to be that supernatural aspect doesn't seem to play a, a very major part or a, a notable part, I would say, in the film. Like kind of maybe when I'm talking about issues that I might have felt at first is that it touches upon things. And I felt like you telling me that was like one of those made me feel like that, like this film touches a lot of things, but I don't know if it necessarily dissects them as much as it thinks it wants to or people want it to want to so they're you know they're stuck keith and tess are stuck in the house together for the night it it borders on like is it going to become romantic are they going to smash yeah but uh you know they don't which is probably the right thing to do story-wise lame uh like me would have made them have sex yeah exactly (laughs) It should have been a Verhoeven movie. They definitely would have. They would have. Uh, Just because. Because why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have the but, rated R. You know, more red flags arise. Uh, you know, drinks are offered. I would not take them. You know, me. Uh, I, but Some you know, people. Some people would, right? Um, and then we have, you know, the real kicker in the middle of the night honestly is like a it's like a it's i think it's like something you would dislike about james wan movies you know we just have an open door and it's kind of a what just happened there like was that meant to be scary type of moment but i feel like it's just building to what is gonna come later you know so i do think the 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 first night of tess and keith being together although it's kind of charming it's kind of scary it's you don't really know how to feel I feel like it's the longest part of the movie. Like it's kind of dragging. You're like, well, okay, what's going on here? Is he is is Keith a murderer or is he is he is he a prince? You know, I don't really know how to feel at this point. And the movie seems a little directionless. Like it almost feels like in the first draft he was like, okay, is this a haunted a haunted house movie? Is this a murderer movie? Or is a you know, we're getting there to what it really is, but. He was like, why not all of them? Yeah, why not all of them? Why not a little bit of everything, you know? This is like a Neapolitan I, I horror. I think, uh, you know, taking back to when we were young scholars in high school and you would have to write an essay and you'd have that intro paragraph. It's a really big intro paragraph. Young scholars in high school baked at 847. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. But all I've had today is marijuana, hot cheese. <laughs> but yeah, I was a young scholar. Yeah, but just in terms of the the intro paragraph being very long there's a lot of setup here and a lot and there's it's just reeling you in honestly because you're like uh, again yeah the movie's an hour 40 this does feel like it's at least 20 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. so it, i i see what you're saying about the parts feeling because you don't know where it's going so you know i told you it started with the scene like zach Kreger wrote one scene and it sprawled out to being an entire feature film right it's 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 this scene, you know, and I feel like it's it feels a little first drafty, you know, like maybe he kind of wrote it and was just like, yeah, it's good enough for me. Where the door opened, that's where it started. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm just referring to this night. Oh, okay. Like the whole night. You know? I see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you did tell me he that. Got to this, like, okay, now they're asleep. He was kind of like, what, what now? Like, where do I go from here? Mm. Um, that's where the sicko mind came. <laughs> Mm, I got it. I thought of something. I, can, I know something no one's done. Uh, so, you know, she has, they have a, they have a, a safe night. Nothing happens to anybody. There's a, 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 a James Wan like jump scare in the middle of the night. 
Uh, you see another door open and close in the in the background. That's so James Wan. I couldn't even. <laughs> That's so like, James Wan. Thief. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Leo DiCaprio at the theater heart. <laughs> yep, yep. I pointed that one out quick. You're I mean, like, oh, he's supposedly bad, but everybody copies him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, Tess goes to her job interview the next day. Um, Keith is attending to business out in the city. Tess gets home and she's uh, looking for TP and gets trapped in the basement, right? And that's where this movie really starts ratcheting up that tension and that horror. Felt like this is where it really picks up because you're like, okay, here we go. I'm in a horror movie. She's trapped. A door locked on itself. Where does it go from here, right? Yeah. And uh, honestly, I feel like it's the worst thing you could expect, right? Is being trapped in a place like this only to realize that there's like a enormous cavern of tunnels and what would you even call this? Like, how did it get here? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is this? Is this I, the tunnels from up? Or I think, from us up? I think even when she goes to the interview, something is notable is that um, Keith isn't in the house anymore. And he, he leaves her a note. And there's like this, she kind of starts like liking him like you were talking about. And then at this point, you're like in the movie, like, what's going on? Right? It's like, well, where this you think you know where this movie's heading. And then you get to the scene that you're talking about. And... You know, you get this slow reveal that there's a secret door. It's really dark. She goes, nope. Right? Like, I'm not doing it. And then um, she's kind of forced to. And well, curiosity. What are you going to do, right? It's curiosity, of course. And at this point, you're still wondering if Bill Skarsgård is in on this. Because, like like you said, he leaves her this cute note. Of course, he's gone in the morning. And you don't really know what to expect. Like, we're about, to, we're, we're like maybe 30 minutes into yeah. the movie right now. And you're still not sure. Like, is he going to murder her? Did he set this whole thing up? Is this his house? What the hell is going on? Did he plan on her getting stuck in the basement? You know? But when I think about her being stuck in the basement, I did kind of think, like, I know she says nope and then does it anyways. You know, another red flag. Why are you, you know, some doors are better left unopened. You yeah. Know? And But realistically in that situation, are you just going to sit in that place for God knows how long? Maybe she's trying to find a way out. Okay, yeah, eight hours. I'm just going to not even attempt to escape this basement. So she kind of gets, you know, trapped. It's <laughs> It feels like something out of it, like, oh, this is your only way out. You have to go through this amazing or this enormous tunnel system. I, still, I don't know. I don't even know where that came from. That that to me is probably the most baffling thing in the entire movie is like, is that what's going on underground? Yeah. I think the fact that it's like revealed as a door first and you just kind of think the room that it's leading to is some, again, maybe uh, Keith is in on some weirdo stuff and she's a new victim, right? Yeah, exactly. But then the fact that you get revealed and it's this huge, huge tunnel. Well, now that I have this young scholar hat on, I couldn't help but think of Dante's Inferno. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> when she opens the door, you know, I was like, oh, shit. She just entered the seven rings of hell or the seven layers of hell. Like, that's really what it feels like. I thought about it as above, so below as well. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's another famous horror trope of, like, the... I, I honestly do think it comes from, like, descending into hell. You know yeah. what I mean? Of, like... Okay, you you've you've crossed the threshold of like never going back to normal after you you walk through that door. Um, that's where all, we get our amazing poster from that that bold red poster with the the woman standing in the doorway. And uh, even then, we're still just getting a 
teased, you know, about what's really going to happen. It's a, it's, it's, it's quick, you know. She finds a fucking room straight out of Saw. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, Keith happens to come back home and, you know, she, get, she gets out and uh, she tells him what happens. Keith being the, the fucking sweet prince that he is, is like, you know, I don't know if I believe you, but your experience is valid. So yeah. I'm gonna go down there. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I'm not saying you're crazy. Yeah. I'm just saying I have to go see I'm for not myself. Gaslighting you, you know, yeah. like body, triple B's would have said that. Yeah. But barbarian, you know. Triple B's. I wouldn't know. You know, Keith was like, you know, I'm not gonna invalidate Single B? Yet. No wouldn't do that. Exactly. Single B. <laughs> I want to say a point that I just that, want to go down there so I can validate your truth. You know, I want to say <laughs> a point queen. that uh, I sh- we should have brought up by now is the address for this place, right? It's just forty six Barbary. No, four seventy six. Four seventy six Barbary. Barbary. So we thought that it had some connection to the name, but apparently not. No, it just looked cool. Nice. Yeah, and if that ain't a good enough reason, to make a movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds sick, right? Yeah, exactly. You're not gonna see a movie called Barbarian. Yeah, <laughs> and I like that it uh, chose to go solo. It didn't do the Barbarian. Exactly. Because I'm kind of sick of movies just being called the this. Yeah, it's kind of cheap. Kind of personal. Cheap. Yeah, he's like personal choice. Um, but anyway, you're valid. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. your experience is valid. Yeah, you know. So he goes down there and he witnesses. Uh, the madness, you know, and um, he disappears. And at this point, too, you know, we're now we're like 35 minutes into the movie, 36 minutes into the movie. And you're like, what the fuck is he's going on? on? Right. Yeah. You're like, he's for sure in on it. He went down there to get her to go in there. So him and his fucking sick freak buddies yeah. can do whatever. <laughs> God, I'm about to walk out yeah, this movie. You know? But, uh, I'm kind of dancing around here because it's like I, once I say it, I feel like I just take the air out of the balloon, you know? Yeah. But uh, what happens? I'll real fuck. So, I mean, they go to these basically these uh, this weird tunnel system that we had brought up before. And this is more of Tess being a, a fucking idiot. Yeah. Because, right? okay, so I think I'm a, uh, another thing this movie does brilliantly, like, talking about the crafting, like how it's crafted, right, is that um, you hear how far away his voice is and you're like, how deep is like how far away is he like how deep is this we just seen the first um, yes so that that is good sound design right because you're like what the fuck is he like two miles away yeah exactly like you get you get nice uh reveal of the first segment and you're like okay that's creepy but then to find a tunnel system that's feels like miles long or at least like two miles long you know like and just to hear so him so far away and they're screaming at each other you're like what's what's going on in terms of is she gonna walk in is she gonna fall all the way down or what's up and then you, you enter this is tunnel waiting system for her in his depraved sex dungeon yeah you know? you're like what the fuck am i about to witness she's, you, at this point you can feel it that the top is about to explode on this thing like you do know that like you you don't know what's gonna happen but it's it's so strong you this, know like you can feel it bubbling like in your fucking stomach you can feel the audience like oh Okay, here we go. Everybody's raised their shoulders. Everybody's white knuckled. Like you just know something is about to happen. Another notable thing that I think is worth bringing up here. I'm glad that you brought up how you felt about it. Kind of reminded me of it was is a score. I thought the moments of tension were really uh, well crafted in terms of uh, like the type of sound that they went with is classical, which always seems to work. I think is very om- like an homage to 
typical horror tropes that you would expect but i think they come in at very perfect moments of tension and um you know some movies seem to i think we had talked about it before when you were a little kid when you're like when you'd read the caption or you when you would hear the music coming on you'd know to look away oh and yeah and that's kind of like i don't know if that's a detriment to the thing but it's almost like a signature you know it's almost uh something you'd expect and i think that this film does that part of a respecting horror very well yeah the horror vibe you know I know exactly that's a very simple thing to say atmosphere but yeah the atmosphere exactly the mise-en-sense yeah <laughs> and, and i mean when she she's walking down here right we get a reveal of like a gate that's already weird yeah no you're seeing cages you're seeing just every you, you really do feel like like yeah like something like as above so below like okay i'm walking into hell and um eventually she finds keith you there's cages too remember you still yeah yeah you still are like oh wow this is what penny this is literally what pennywise does. yeah exactly. he's down, down he here. lives down here <laughs> yeah um i got what you want down you here. know she, he keith tells tess somebody bit me somebody else is down here we need to we need to run um she attempts to do something smart okay let's fucking get back up the stairs and get the fuck out of here but uh he's like no that's the direction that they were in um i've been running down the other way and we get one of the most exciting, fun um, twists, reveals that I've seen in a very, very long time. And yeah. our audience agreed with us definitely by the reaction. This tall, seven-foot-something deformed woman <laughs> comes lumbering down the hallway and uh, smashes Keith's head in. On like the, the the side of the cave, and beast it is of a woman, extremely violent. Yeah, um, it it's it's ratcheted up as high as it could be. Bumps it up to eleven. Yeah, <laughs> nice, sick reference. Everyone knows your references. Aren't <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's it's disturbing. It's gory. Uh, you know, it's got that signature horror strobe editing effect of like cutting in and out of like, yeah. what the fuck is going on. And uh, we get a we get a great horror scream from Tess. You know, I wouldn't say it was Jenna Ortega and X, but it was, it was pretty good. And uh, it cuts to black, and you're just like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> it was like a 2001 uh, break in the movie. You know what I mean? Like when yeah, like when it's you a find TV, out Hal TV is break. Listen- yeah, when you find out Hal is listening to them, and then it cuts to the intermission. You're like, "No!" When they walk in on the kids having sex. <laughs> Like, oh no! My wife asked me. She's like, "Is it over?" Like, no way. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a short movie, but that was like really fast, right? And um, then it opens up on this beautiful blue yep, ocean, California, and we're introduced to Justin Long, and it feels like you're <laughs> it's Kubrickian in a way. <laughs> the way it cuts from like it's like Full Metal Jacket from the the training, the boot or the boot camp scene to being in the actual war. You know, you're just in this totally separate movie. Wait and, a minute. Um, you're even thinking Kubrick to yourself, every, yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to reach. I'm yeah, ready yeah, to exactly. have some takes. Yeah, you know, exactly. Okay? Barbarian is Kubrickian. Uh, it's just a totally different movie for like the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it, I, I timed it yesterday. It's not much longer than that before it gets back to its main point. But it's this weird, <laughs> yeah. weird cool off from what you've just seen. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, did the did the projection like break halfway? And I'm watching another second movie. movie you know? Yeah, and uh, we're finally introduced to AJ. But before we get to that, 
How did you how did you feel this first time with the reveal? I think that was something uh at first I felt like it took kind of how you explained it, uh getting to the reveal for the podcast is taking the air out of the balloon but then not just completely being like so just keep that tension while I build the other trope of this story that you don't expect which I felt at first was losing me even though and I think it was because we talked about this in the beginning too but the meta-ness of what the subject was for Justin Long's character during those 10 minutes just felt like, oh, why is why is this a theme that's going to be tied into the movie? Yeah. And so at first I wasn't too sure if I um, agreed with what the theme, I guess, or what the subject of the matter was. But I think after rewatches, it just really points out um, the times. It's, it just, the times, and I think... Uh, our character just kind of again serve as pillars of representations of you kind of said like Keith is a white knight and Justin Long's character is meant to be the opposite and I think that's just what that whole 10 minutes is meant to set up yeah and maybe because I wouldn't say Zach Kreger is like the most intellectual you know emotionally deep writer that this could not work for some people because it's so obvious like oh they're yin and yang You're like, yeah I get it this guy's good this guy's bad you yeah. know and uh, you subverted my expectations because I was expecting it to be the other way around. Um, I do think maybe if you didn't know anything about this movie, you would assume Justin Long was going to be the good guy and <laughs> that, uh, Bill Skarsgård would have been the bad yeah. guy. But it's a, it is a weird, weird turn. Like even when I was, even as I was enjoying it and I basically fucking coomed in the movie, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Putting and hollering. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Our entire audience was honestly like, I felt like people were ready to like, throw their popcorn in the air like, yeah bravo but it just takes this crazy turn that like it, it just feels like a completely different movie and it sets up this character of aj he's like a he's a disgraced sitcom actor you know he's uh being accused of you know that nasty nasty word that people don't like saying you know he's Very nasty. of our wording you know of sexually assaulting somebody and um you're thinking to yourself, why, why would I, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why, why are you doing this to me? Like, I was just in this really good movie, and now you want to introduce me to this fucking guy? Exactly. And now I'm, like, supposed to either root for him or be invested in his story when within two minutes of introducing him, you've already shattered any chance of me liking the guy, right? But much like this movie being two halves, this is where all of the comedy starts to kick in, which is like, okay, this is a very complicated character to decide to make a comedy portion of a movie about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's successful. It works. Like, much in the way something like Red Rocket makes you root for mm -hmm. an absolute piece of shit, I think, you know, Justin Long, Justin Long being the actor and the, um, the comedic writing of Zach Kreger, that... You're, you're kind of in on this guy, you know, after 10 minutes, which sounds awful to say. I'm buying AJ Gilbride stock at its lowest. He's yeah, as back, you were just saying. Uh, that charisma, he has it. <laughs> yeah, I get um, I was going to think, I was thinking of something and I lost my train of thought. Um, so, sorry about that. I wanted to throw it back at you, but. All right, so. You know, we're trying to, uh, we're, we're following this guy. Oh, realize sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I remember. I was just going to, kind of the joke that you said about being Kubrickian. Ah, yes. Is, um, 
introducing a character in the later stages of the film that you kind of get confused and thrown off by, which is something that he also kind of did. So it's something that you wouldn't expect in a movie that's structured this way or that is horror, the type of horror that it is. Isn't it weird that the, okay, so the first 40 minutes, the, the masterpiece part of this movie, isn't it weird that that feels like it's an hour and the Justin Long stuff feels like the 40 minutes? Yeah. Makes sense. Like those, the, they feel reversed. Um, but so he's um, a disgraced actor. He's going. He's going to go through some lawsuits. Uh, you know, he we we see here that he's not really the best um, at money managing. So he he's basically going to be out on his ass in three months. So he decides it's time to start liquidating, and um, he has some Michigan properties. You know, that's our first key into the like. Okay, this might start to be making some sense. Um, but you're still wondering to yourself. Well, okay. So what is this like a Michigan thing? Like what's going on here, right? Yeah, exactly. And we realize that he's the owner of the property that we just witnessed this gruesome, gruesome act of violence. <laughs> and uh, you're wondering how it's going to tie in, and you know that becomes the tie-in. Is like, okay, shit, he owns this place. And um, while it was shocking during the first watch, um, now that you've brought up the empty man. It made me think of The Empty Man, how the first 20 minutes of uh, that movie is a completely different movie. Um, wow, it really is Kubrickian, much like 2001. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Minutes, exactly. That was the apes, bro. Yeah. That was the apes, you know. They had the fucking, the bone to the spaceship, man. Tools, you I'm know? telling you, structured well. Structured. Wow, this guy really studied Kubrick when he made this piece. <laughs> oh, you like 2001? Um. Yeah, I was just going to say that the comedy aspects, though, of, of Justin Long's character is the bro that we all know. And I think that's where it kind of uh, thematically, like I was saying before, it felt a little too on the nose with the times that we're in and the type of person that would be in the situation that he's in. Yeah. And it being it just works really well, like you had previously stated, because it's Justin Long and the kind of character and roles that we know him for and the type of way he can still for some reason justify being an asshole which only a few people seem to be able to do in certain movies zach efron like you said can pull it off but i don't know if to this dynamic and justin long was almost the perfect cast yeah you know like zach efron his biggest comedic role is probably neighbors mm -hmm. right and he's fantastic in that role um that's probably one of his better roles in his entire career and he is a lovable asshole but he's the one you love to hate he isn't like the lovable you know he doesn't have soft edges you know i mean literally he's like chiseled and jacked and when yeah. you look at fucking justin long he's kind of just like a frumpy dude you work in the office with you know uh, yeah i agree <laughs> skinny but he got a little beer gut or something like that yeah. going on you know what i mean like, he's cool. his pants are a little too tight that's yeah. a little too small but you know all right fuck it we ride you know <laughs> yeah um he he uh, decides to visit his property, right? And we realize, he realizes that he, there's people staying in his house. And um, it, it, it brings us back into what's been going on. So although it's a weird, a weird uh, div like diversion to take in the movie, I do think that it does a good job of reeling it back in. Mm -hmm. And then also this movie being two parts, like, the the comedy really does come from the unawareness and much like triple b's how it's like this guy's a moron you know like he doesn't even realize he also doesn't realize what kind of movie he is in for at least 20 minutes or so yeah and 
I think that uh, Justin Long just fucking sells it, dude. Like, we've been saying to ourselves since we've seen this movie, like, hell yeah, bitch. (laughs) He realizes that he could, uh, once he discovers, you know, the secret passage, that I can use this to raise the property value of this place. Like, oh, shit, I'm going to be able to get more money. Exactly. Um, I see, you know, it's going around on Twitter a lot how, like, this is one of the, like, how could you call Barbarian a bad movie because of when this? it has Justin Long doing shit like this? Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been describing a lot of horror on this show as Looney Tunes-like recently. Mm-hmm. But, honestly, Justin Long tape measuring while he's passing all these horrible things and just ignoring it and being like, oh, hell yeah, this is making, the like, the property value go up. Like, that is more Looney Tunes or... Um, very Tom Scooby, and Jerry, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo-ish of anything that I could imagine of like Scooby and Shaggy fucking fo- uh, their noses to the ground following a trail of snacks. Yeah. And in the background, you see three monsters go, like with the face. You exactly. know what I mean? Like that's literally what's going on in this movie. And um, our audience, at least, was like, laughing but in disbelief like the girl who's sitting next to me was literally like what the fuck yeah (laughs) yeah he he literally sees a bloody cage and is just like okay well what's the square footage on this uh where we're holding these cages yeah yeah. (laughs) and and i think that's where the thematically those 10 minutes that you find out what type of a subject of trouble our characters in oh Uh, yeah like this is serious shit so like i think it it what it does so well is set up why he would completely be oblivious to what is actually happening here, but be more interested in his personal self-gain. They've done very well of setting up this character as somebody who would do something that is arguably the most selfish thing you could do. Oh, yeah. He's like, he is an embodiment of selfishness. So I think that that's why it works so well in terms of comedic and then also throwing off the audience. So, well, you, you get those both audience, uh, you know, reactions from people, which I think, again, kind of going back to audience expectations. I don't know if people after watching the first half of this movie, the people who are here for a traditional horror movie are probably pretty satisfied by the first half of it. But then when the second horror comedic or comedic part of it comes in that i mean we talked about triple b's and we talked about american (laughs) american werewolf in london and talking about movies that have you know comedic parts to it i mean we even talked about poltergeist one of our favorite sound bites from it is pretty hilarious to us you know so i i I think that this movie kind of um that's where people get lost they see some comedy in it and that's like that's not what i came for you know and um this film though does not only uses that comedic tone to juxtapose the crazy stuff that we just seen, but I think it really makes Justin Long's character make so much more sense for the decisions he's going to make down the road. Oh yeah. Especially because uh, we, I don't want to say we skipped past this, but we, we should bring it up at least that he, he does admit to some guilt in this sexual assault rape case that he is through some friend. He is, that he is in the, like, you know, the situation that he's, finding himself in not only through his friend you know he does the whole like i'm a hey i'm a persistent dude like she said no but she didn't really say no. yeah you know like unfortunately most people have heard somebody say that in their lifetime and you know it's awful but you know there's a lot of justin longs in the world and they're not always the fucking <laughs> zach efron archetypes you know yeah, like exactly I, I would say somehow it's even scarier when it's somebody like justin long it's like the unexpected yep you know but I didn't really want to jump past it too much because 
it's it's a tricky subject, obviously, to talk about like your main character, or well, one of your main characters being um, a rapist. But yeah, I don't know if it's. I, I really don't know if I can say that it was handled poorly or not. You know, because you feel weird. It's like okay, like yeah, it's really funny, but is this even something I'm supposed to be laughing at? Like, is that a a judgment of the audience? You know, like. You think he's funny, but you're not supposed to think he is. I I, I don't know how to feel about to let me. Like, I, I don't understand what Zach Kreger's trying to do, other than be very obvious. You know that like, oh, this is this is black and white, yin and yang. He's a bad One person. guy was good. This guy's a bad person. Like he's a bad person. He does evil things. You know, like I I don't I I don't know if it's really supposed to be that heavy handed or really what he's trying to do, other than just kind of give you this like. Real like give you the ugliest character trait you could have as a um as a piece of knowledge for the audience to be like don't trust this guy I don't trust it, this rapist I think know? it comes it becomes kind of a point for confliction down the movie when he is dealing with our other our main character Tess, and there's yeah. some of reactions that he's getting that seem genuine so I just think it's kind of also meant as the major the biggest uh, distraction yeah I mean I really don't know if that's I mean, who am I to say if it's being handled well or not? But I don't think it is, you know? Like, I enjoy the movie. I'm not somebody who thinks that uh, characters cannot be, uh, you know, disgusting and still be likable. I mean, we all like, you know, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons, that show, or things like Succession, you know? Who's your favorite war criminal? Who's your favorite fucking corporate lobbyist? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, You know, people do like to root for shitty people and things. I mean, especially in movies, because, you know, it's like, well, if they're going to exist anywhere, let's have it be in a fucking movie where it's not actually real what's happening. I mean, just a little side note, but like just how much people are into stuff like Dahmer and Bundy, you know, and exactly. So, yeah, that's real stuff. Who's dressing up their kid as A.J. Gilbride for Halloween? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of A.J. Gilbrides. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so getting back to the movie a bit. I, I do think we should wrap it up soon with the actual uh, plot of this movie, what happens. Um, Justin Long, he um, he's finding out the square footage of the home. It's all played for laughs and comedy. Um, it's it, it's subverting what we just saw. So, you know, like we said, more of that subversion. This is really what this movie is built on. It's the, it's the, it's the plate that this meal is carried on, you know? Um, Eventually, he gets deep enough into the cavern tunnel system that he discovers our monster. I, I, I don't know if that feels weird to say, our, our creature, our monster, you know, and he gets chased, he falls into a hole, and we are brought back to Tess, our main character. Holy shit, she's still alive. Yeah. yeah. You know? And uh, this is where the movie gets tied back together, you know, the first half, this weird second act that we've been seeing, and uh, now we're really off back into our scary movie fully. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think that this movie, I know you like it more upon rewatches, but did you, how did you feel like when it was getting back into the swing of things? Um, on first watch. Yeah. I think uh, I, I still did like what it, what it, I thought it was ambitious even from then to try to um, take such a sidetrack for a good amount of time. And then connect it because I knew previously knowing how long the movie is that it had like a pretty compact time to try to explain what's going on to me. 
That's and true. and also um wrap it up and in terms of how my whole interest then became how is this movie going to end yeah because i mean at this point you're like an hour 10 into the movie yeah you know and you're like oh shit there's 30 minutes left five of those are going to be credits it's time to start you know really fucking pumping and dumping this information of what the hell is going on what is this creature what's the history and um I, I for me it works i could see how it doesn't for some people because it 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 the movie kind of weirdly has like an anthology feel to it. Like it almost feels like three separate movies mm-hmm. all built into one. And like this theme of like evil, like rooting itself into the, the literal foundation of the house, you know, mm-hmm. and how that will carry on forever. Like no matter what, like some, I think one of the tagline or the yeah taglines for the movies, like some stay for a night, some stay for a week, some stay forever. Okay. Um, so now that we have Justin, uh, AJ, and Tess, the movie really starts taking the time to explain itself. Uh, he falls into the hole. We kind of see that this avatar-like woman yeah. <laughs> is fucking super, like, unnaturally strong. Like, she, she puts, she grabs, she jumps in that hole, and she grabs him, and she yanks him out, like, all with one hand, and, like, one hops the wall, you know? Like, she's, like... Like an Avengers level threat of a person. <laughs> I mean, she definitely would have you know a good a good fight with She Hulk. <laughs> yeah, she might. She, she could she be a nemesis. Yeah, there'd be a nemesis for sure. So this is uh, definitely a species of a woman, uh, unexplainable. Kind of reminded me of in a way, like you said, a mix of Gabriel and like um, Slenderman. <laughs> yeah, movie does feel a little creepy pasta ish now that yeah. you brought up Slenderman. Uh, but in the best ways, just like mm-hmm. I felt like Malignant was creepypasta-ish. And Taking the best, the best from those things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get, the, we get the reveal of the Avatar-like woman, and uh, the movie takes another, takes another weird cut, and it jumps back in time. And now we are in, we're on different, <laughs> we've seen two different uh, parts of the, of the country. Now we're in a different part of time. Yeah. We're back in the past. We're seeing Detroit when it was still a reasonable place to live i guess and um you cosmic know, the movie gumbo takes about five more minutes to s- kind of set up the origin of the evil in this house yep you know we um we see a character named frank he's the original owner of uh, 476 barbary I, I i guess in terms of this movie he is right he's the original owner and um, we see the you know the neighborhood's going to hell but he's not going nowhere and um we get clued in that he is a kidnapper, murderer, rapist, and uh, we're kind of clued in that these tunnel, this underground tunnel system, is where he, you know, commits all these crimes, and then uh, it, it it weirdly jumps back, you know, right will, back to the <laughs> right back to our main story. I will say during this segment that that's where kind of a little bit of the camera work stood out to me again. I did like the point of view of just being behind him. It feels like a fisheye almost. Yeah, and I did like that it, it um, did feel very dreamlike, not part of, or, or just the audience being filled into insight before um, revealing a plot, which to some might be in terms of heavy-handedness, right? Be like you're revealing information literally in a cut back to time, but I think it, for me it works in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you you do you feel like it would have been better if you didn't know? Like, does it really sell you one way or another on this movie, the knowing the origin of the 
of what's happening. I think uh, for the uh, last character that we get revealed in terms of not being a major character and things being explained, I think it, it, it served its purpose to, ex- to uh, I guess some of the plot holes in this movie do come from in terms of what the creature that we're seeing is and what it gets inferred to what it is. And um, I guess it just, it, it, it tries to make its attempt at explaining that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't want to have a straight exposition dump in the last five minutes. Yeah. It does sprinkle the exposition kind of heavily in some parts of the movie. Exactly. Like the, it, you have these really high moments of tension and then it's like, whoa, slow it down. Time to start exposition dumping on you. Like this. They is literally slow it down on yeah. you. Um, I don't, maybe that will change, you know, and more, uh, if he makes more horror movies. Exactly. Um, we'll see a difference in how he goes about telling a story. I don't know if he's exactly the best storyteller, but I know he came up with one fucking crazy story. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, back to our main story, Tess and AJ. They um, they get a chance to... Tess gets a chance to escape. She should have just fucking escaped Left, right yeah. there, right? If she knew who AJ really was, would she have even gone back? I think that adds more to the her being a good person and also being an idiot, mm-hmm. which are... Um, Sadly, those two things kind of go together. <laughs> yeah, especially um, in movies. Yeah, especially in movies. You know, you get punished for being a good person. Um, Bozo. AJ. <laughs> L plus you're nice. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should have been selfish. Yeah. The uh, old man told you. AJ, he gets, you know, to go through some gruesome, disgusting things. Um, I did think the prop, not the prop work, but the like the um, makeup and practical effects truly disturbing yeah i didn't say like it's like the thing level but i did think like this is effectively disgusting me <laughs> it's uh to the level of almost reminded me of the ring yeah oh I, I get you um so aj has a moment to kind of uh look around kind of figure out what the hell's going on and he uh, comes across a room that our creature who is we'll refer to her as the mother from now on uh she, he comes across a room that the mother is scared to go in. You know, he, he approaches a door and she takes off and he goes into this disgusting room underground. And earlier when you brought up, uh, uh, seeing like workshops, mm-hmm. right. We talked about that in Jeepers Creepers. We talked about that in Malignant, uh, Insidious that we love, we love a horror workshop, you know, where you get uh silence of the lambs, where you get to see where the nasty shit goes down. What a know? pig. Uh, the Wailing has one, you know, yeah. the, the shrine room. <laughs> uh, and he comes across this old man who is uh, referred to as Frank. He's the father that we saw in the flashback, the 80s, yeah. right, in the flashback. Um, and Justin Long thinks he's a victim, you know, more of that subversion going on. And um, I also didn't know what to make of this scene, really, because it's kind of Justin Long. I don't want to say looking in a mirror because you can't really compare the two. They're guilty of the same crime, but you cannot compare these two people. I think that's where. Okay, so right? where? Crazy? No, because I, I don't know. I don't know. I no, don't want to get in trouble for saying that. No, because I was gonna say. Um, that's where this movie. I thought I understood where people get the deep meaning from it, but then after us talking about it pre or before the podcast, in terms of Zach Krieger, uh, to no um, discredit might have just sprinkled these things in there because he thought it would make the film better or if he actually meant to make this dissection on it. But 
I do think it, it kind of plays on the terms that because of the era, again, Reaganomics in terms of we've talked about this with us a lot this year and even Poltergeist. But um, it's the character that would come out of that of uh, that branding with America, right? So that that older character, Frank, like you said, is almost reflective of what um, AJ's character is, but almost like the ultimate version because of the thoughts or the, the excess, right? yeah, or like the this is mine, like I'm never leaving this place, right? In terms of I'm making this mine, and I think um, he's successful in that because the environment reflects that this place has literally gone to shit. And I think that um, making it yours in terms of his, like he made it evil. And I think that I, I agree with your sentiment that they could be reflected on, but I think that he's such an extreme version of him that it almost seems offensive to want to go there. But then we talked about, I don't know if those things are done on purpose. Okay. So now that you've said that, it's got me thinking. So with Bill Skarsgård, okay, because this movie, like we said, built on subversion, right? How the hell do we know that Bill Skarsgård was not going to do something? You know, like that Bill Skarsgård maybe was going to kill her and he never got around to it because they were interrupted before by, oh, fuck, there's actually something else in this house, not just me. There's something even more evil, right? And then the the even deeper layer is that like, oh, fuck, there's this creature here. Oh, wait, she's not even really the fucking antagonistic monster in this movie. It's her fucking, her, like, uh, literally at this point, like a demon of a father. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this was a, like an anime character. He's ascended past being a human. He's now just a demon and a human. I thought body, this fool had, know? like, uh, was like 120, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what he, he looks like. He looked fucking like uh, at the end of Ron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the emperor at the end of Ron. Because, I mean, when, when he's in the 80s, he's Frank. He already looks old. Yeah, he did. So He was 25 there. <laughs> <laughs> Since cigarettes were recommended yeah. by doctors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, well, and what I, wanted, what I wanted to tie that point up with was that, like, so with AJ, right? AJ um, confesses to his crime over the phone and to his friend, like we said, but... Oh man, these are gonna be coming. These are tricky waters that I was not intending Zach Kreger to get me into. But the character of AJ, you know, like he, he had is he a bad person who does bad things, or is he a good person who do, who did one really bad thing? You know, because mm-hmm. he truly is like revile, uh, like revolted, and <laughs> just truly disgusted by what he's witnessed on these videotapes that Frank has. Right? Yeah, and he's like, "You're a monster," but then it's like you said. You were guilty of the same thing, but they're hard to compare because, like, one is obviously so evil. Like, it feels like pure evil, you know, versus, like, was this a a bad thing that somebody did? You know, yeah, like, like I, I, this is this is tough stuff to talk this about. This guy was actually. just a bro in terms of him, uh, AJ's character, just trying to get a primitive feeling out of the way. But then um, Frank's character is an extreme version of that that has a whole other mindset or agenda there's in nothing terms to really of, say about him other than he's just like an embodiment of evil, you know? Like, yeah. It's like an evil spirit escaped from hell and took, like, host in this guy's body. My you know? uh, comedic moment that I don't think is supposed to be comedic is when he try and he fakes that he's an electrician for the city. He puts on a coat. This is Frank's character, by the way. He puts on a coat and his name's Carlos. And I thought that was one of the funniest <laughs> things ever. That ain't, <laughs> that ain't no Carlos. You're not a loose. Hey, wait, no. 
Carlos is in Detroit in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. And you look like that. You know, I mean, come on. This ain't no Mexican guy from Acapulco. He don't look like that. No, 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 no. But, uh, you know, uh, Tess, I kind of want to hurry this up now, but Tess, she escapes. She has a um, a poorly written run-in with the cops. You know, more of that heavy-handedness. Zach Craig's obviously a cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know we appreciate I mean? that. So I appreciate that, but honestly... Didn't need that. I know you haven't loved that since the first time we've seen it together. You had mentioned that that was kind of like a, not a plot hole, but just like bad writing, like not even giving the cops enough credit to like even tr- bother investigating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like uh, his direction was like, you're a cop. Cops suck. Like that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so she goes, uh, she goes back. She attempts to save AJ more of the madness ensues. AJ just keeps burying himself in a hole of like being a complete piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like there isn't really um, much going on here, honestly. Like this is this becomes your generic horror film at this point, honestly. Yeah, because they they take out the mother, which you think is they, t- they take out the mother, and um, she goes in there to basically save him because yeah. she thinks she's taking him out. And this is where we get the the character contrasting, I guess, um, just the type of people that they are. She went in there to save him because she felt bad, but then um, he didn't even think about just firing that thing, you know? I'll shoot now and ask questions Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not so very... Yeah, he, he shoots Tess on accident in the middle of the night. And, well, you would think that that's like, of course this guy fucking did that. Yeah. You're also... I don't know. Would I have done that? You know, if I yeah, knew exactly. there was a seven foot super beast walking around, I'm just hearing anything. I I'm shooting the clip out. You know and I, I mean? and I think that, uh, that's where the selfishness that he had be like that. She's not coming back. Why would she come back? She's going to leave. And she's, In AJ's head. Why would you ever come back for me? Yeah. Not, not because he's me, but because I would never, I would never anybody. come back for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, at, did you just see what we saw? Right. George Costanza escaping the fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pushing old ladies and kids out of the see, way. There's a seven foot monster and I'm never coming back. If I ever have to, if I can get out. So, you know, he shoots her. They, uh, at this moment, the, the mother is, uh, incapacitated, or at least we think we don't know what happened to her. They try to escape. They visit a homeless man who we uh, did not mention earlier in the movie. This was another piece of, subverting uh moviegoer expectations tess is chased by what we think is just some like crazy wild homeless person right but in reality he was trying to help her the whole time because he's been living in this uh what would you mean like a dilapidated suburb for like 15 (laughs) years now and he knows what goes on in this area so he was actually trying to help them so more subversion you know that one doesn't feel as well done as some of the others but yeah they try to take refuge um, try to maybe patch up Tess as much as they can. AJ really confesses his guilt here. At this point, we're like, okay, we get it. You fucking did what yeah, you did. Yeah. Can, you, can you let that go now? We have a seven-foot woman to escape. Um, but here we get our exploitation moment. I think this is probably the most, like, uh, this is the most malignant moment in the movie, honestly. You know, the mother rips through the wall, uh, rips the homeless dude's arm off, and... Uh, I would. I don't. I don't want to say she beats him to death because I'm pretty sure he was dead the second she fucking the dismembered him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, our two characters try to escape. Uh, Justin Long, for the second time, has fumbled his weapon, and uh, he has a moment where he 
comes to grips with, you know what? I'm going to have to fucking sacrifice your ass, Tess. And he throws her off the water tower. Nice. Right? Uh, you audibly kind of pff, laughed <laughs> this moment. Many of our audience members did as well. I thought it looked cheap. I thought it looked silly when the mother threw herself off the water tower to save Tess. But that's part of the comedy, I guess, right? I yeah. do think that it was uh, meant to be funny. It reminded me of the other guys. Aim for the bushes. Mm. <laughs> you know? And but, the Black Adam meme. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Justin Long fucking... You were like, this POS. is a shitty feeling. This guy just fucking won. No, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. You know, but Subversion is the name of the game. And uh, Justin Long goes down there and he's like, I didn't even actually throw you. You slipped. That's yeah. crazy. Like, yeah. you just so happened to like... Damn, wasn't that wild how we were, like, so out of it? He just thing? literally, how uh, Triple B would say, was gaslighting her. Yeah. And uh, our mommy is not dead yet. She decides to gouge his eyes out and split his, his skull in one of the most metal-looking kills I've ever seen yep. in a movie. Very, like, Gears of War or something like that, you know? Uh, that type of level of violence. Very, I feel like if, uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock used to be so scared of the things he would watch. Be like, I would just wish I could show. You know how they always talk about giving a Victorian kid Sprite? <laughs> like it's like giving Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> letting him watch that scene in Barbarian. I don't like having my eyes ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish, you know. <laughs> um, are you a podcaster if you don't have a bad Hitchcock impression on deck? <laughs> no, you're not. That's the answer. Um, but we got our final moment here. Uh, the mother has realized that Tess, her baby, is injured. Kind of uh, what appears to be not really fixable, you know? Especially mm -hmm. for this creature. Yeah. Like, what is she going to do, right? Cover it with, like, matted hair? <laughs> you know? Like, I guess I'll use my hair as gauze. Uh, Tess takes this moment to finally kind of have some say in her own situation here and kills the mother finally with the uh the gun that we have that uh, they've they've acquired over the course of the movie um i thought it was kind of a weird touch that it cut to um that ronette's song was it yeah Baby right Baby? Yeah, yeah yeah which i really like but it's just yeah, it was like kind of like yeah of course says he did it first yeah. uh many others have tried uh <laughs> And then it ends, you know, and it, yeah. it, it's kind of a, when I, when I said that the air was out of the balloon, the ending, you have this really, really exciting moment of this man getting his arm ripped off, you know, just exploitation violence cranked to the highest level. And then it's over in a second, you know, and yeah. it's, it's kind of this because it's the second time it happens. You're like, wait, it's not over yet. Right. But it is credits start rolling. Um, our protagonist walks away alive, you know, much. She's a final girl. She she gets out of this alive, you know. Plot hole, she couldn't walk two seconds ago, but now she's perfectly fine to walk 10 miles to the nearest hospital. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is over, and I, I no longer need that to make sense. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that is Barbarian. I did not think that we would kind of break it down like that, scene for scene. But... One of the movies of the year, man. This is easily going to crack my top ten like for the end of the year. Yeah. I, I just it's going to take some readjusting, but sorry, RRR, you might have to go. But, yeah, Barbarian was a really, really fun time. I will say something that I noticed because you brought up uh, the Bill Skarsgård character and Justin Long character is that the mother is so, um, maybe because our main character is very submissive, she 
takes on the mother role for her. But she's so quick to bash Scar uh, Keith's head, you know? And it kind of really makes you think, is why was she so... Because even Justin Long's character, she's trying to breastfeed at first. Mm-hmm. So why was she so against Keith's character so fast in terms of just bash his head? And then at the end, she really lets our main or the main character she's Tess yeah she lets Tess shoot her like in terms of because she understands that she's letting her know that she can't go back into the house and the mother's okay with that but her dream is to be a mother as we see from the various um (laughs) I I thought it was weird that there's a lot of clips in here where the tv's playing in the middle of like you know and it's just playing a a baby instructional video that felt like the breastfeeding video that felt like a lot of horror like homages to a lot of horror movies you always got to have the tv playing something you know when she booped justin long on the nose yeah boop (laughs) but and so i did find it interesting again on the rewatch just thinking about those things you know where this film is like oh well it it's just is a very fun film on the surface but it's interesting that there's all these uh themes that or at least touched upon or addressed. I think we've barely cracked the surface. We never claimed to be, you know, intellectuals, but I do think that this movie, the longer uh, time passes, that there's going to be a lot to say about this movie. And I think it's because it was written by somebody who we don't regard as, um, like we do Jordan Peele. Of like, oh, he's this very intelligent man. You know, like half the reason he's so funny is because he's so smart. Exactly. You know, like it's not like a, like I would think of Jordan Peele as like, you know, like uh, in the 80s, how all the Simpsons writers went to Harvard and things like that. Right. You know, like it's a, it, there's a, there's a science to this. To how funny you know? it is. And I don't know if Zach Kreger really fits that bill. Not yet, at least, you know, but he had, he had a very, very good idea and he capitalized on that idea. And the things that might be lacking, I think he covered that with the excitement and the violence and the uh, subversion and all those other things. So, like, I do think he's well on his way to being a um, a really impressive director, but I don't think he's there yet. I think he, what I did like about this movie or the reasons why I did like the aspects of the horror a lot is that when it does decide to take it there, it really takes it there. We've talked about a lot, and I've said it on this podcast a lot, about um, wanting monster films more, and this film is that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention. We I, I, we were kind of in the in this uh, frame earlier, but we, we uh, moved past it was that uh, A24 and Neon both passed on this movie, right? Mm. And um, I don't think it even really feels like an A24 or a Neon movie. Like, honestly, I don't think that Barbarian fits in with The Witch and Midsummer and Hereditary. I also don't think it fits in with, like, Titan or um, even something like... uh, I had it on the top of my head, but I was thinking of another Neon horror movie. But I don't feel Crime, like it. Fits Crimes of the Future. Yeah, yeah. See, like Crimes of the Future is it? You know, people call Parasite a horror movie, so I really don't know. Um, but true. Neon. I don't feel like it feels like one of their movies either. You know, like no. I do think that this feels more honestly, and I mean this in the best way, in line with like the better Blumhouse films. Feels it just doesn't match those two, and I'm kind of glad it didn't because. Maybe if this was an A24 or a Neon film that we would be um, 
just viewing it in a different light, honestly. Be a little. Maybe it would have been supervised a little different. Maybe not, you know? Yeah. You know what? Maybe one of the reasons bot, Triple B's wasn't as good or funny as people wanted it to be was because it was an A24 movie. Yeah. You know? And you're like, you should have let someone who's interested in making this type of movie do it. There's know? an expectation, I think, uh, maybe... With the type of horror movies A24 puts out, whether we're right or wrong about that. A24 producers would be like, hmm, not vague enough. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't look at the end of the screen into the camera. The A24 movie would have been like, don't tell them shit. I don't want them to know anything about this fucking movie. They just have to be like, oh, man, was that even real? So Frank would would be there, but with no flashbacks. He'd be like, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like the old lady in The Green Knight. Like, I don't fucking know. There was this old guy there. Was he even there? And then I'd be like, it's Justin Long's character in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But enough talking about them, because they have nothing to do with this movie, and they completely fucked that up. Yep. So, uh Big win for cinema, honestly. Big win for horror movies. Um, big win for original storytelling. Yep. Uh, I think massive dub all around. And that this is just... This is why I love doing this podcast, is movies like Barbarian, honestly. Like, the we you know, when we did Teton, when we've done things like Lamb. Um, many of the other movies we've done... This is one of those ones that really, really sticks out to me. And, like, I'm I'm just glad that we're here now so that in five, ten years and people are looking back, it could be like, yeah, we were there. I witnessed Barbarian. And you know, the like, theaters. Um, a couple weeks ago, this is kind of a side tangent, but a couple weeks ago, like, you were wearing a, a, a The Thing shirt, right? And we were in a building, and one of the security guards asked you if uh, he's like, oh, what do you know about The Thing? Yeah. You know? And, like, I would love to be like that about Barbarian one day. No, about Barbarian. No, about Barbarian. I was there. I saw it in the theater. But uh, I I fucking love this movie. I I feel like you do too. And this is one that uh, I feel really happy to champion. And I will be telling everybody about this movie. You know? Yeah. I I hope if you've seen this movie uh, or if you paused it and came back after watching it, that you will also spread the good word because these are the type of movies that. You know, we need more of is like this communal experience that we don't really get anymore. You know, you get it for things like Game of Thrones, where it's like, oh, on Sunday nights, everybody's watching House of the Dragon. And that that's cool. You know, I, I kind of miss that. And um, it's kind of it's really nice that something like horror is doing that right now is like yeah. bringing people together. Um, I, I feel like that wraps up our barbarian conversation. But since this is the end of Halloween season, I did think that we should mention just how good of a year horror is having. I know you have some numbers in front of you. Um, This is just kind of a outro slash big ups to the genre, man. Yeah, I mean, it's the closing episode for Halloween. Um, We had our summer talking about horror movies. We're not going to talk about them again for a while. Yeah, we're going to really try. I mean, even though there's upcoming horror films that we'll probably talk about, you know. Um, But talking about just ending this month a big uh, shout out to horror this year as um it seems to hold a very unique spot as um they seem to be the only genre that really pushes going to the theaters for these releases as other genres seem to just kind of go to vod now you know and um so horror as a as a whole did 590 million this will yeah this year so far and you know a lot of the movies that are on here to nope is number one and we have the black phone at number two 
Smile number three, Scream number four, Halloween Dude, ends Smile number made five. $145 million. And yeah, we're talking about like um, movies that, you know, for example, Barbarian's number six after Halloween ends, whose budget is just so much more limited than Halloween ends, but people are so, they're craving original horror you know and i I think like a note being at the top the black phone being at the top smile being at the top really depicts that and barbarian being a you know a movie that's even above x and bodies 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 in a24's whole repertoire like barbarian is on top of them up there with you know paramount and universal's horror movies and it's just such a good dub for horror as a whole year this everything that we've had we've had such a diverse um horror palette we've had stuff with terrifier uh too and that people are like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it's made over five right yeah yeah it's just it just fucking works man horror is that genre where you can make it cheap and you can make it effective and <laughs> you refer to it kind of like porno it's like everybody everybody wants to see it you know yeah. even if they're saying they don't want to uh, everybody's everybody can't resist themselves. They want to take a look. We're anxious for a uh, good kill, yeah. I think. You know, and it's just part of loving movies. Man. And all of these movies, yeah, have. You know, if you're, if you, this has been a really good year for not just horror overall, but like uh, just movies in general. But I think one of the things you have to love is that horror is making it easier for other films now. You know, like. Maybe a studio, maybe because of Barbarian, two more cool movies are going to get made that wouldn't have before. Because yeah. they weren't expecting Barbarian to bring in 40 to $50 million. You know, they probably thought, we'll make six. You know, it's probably going to be a loss. I know Barbarian was almost released on Hulu because it's uh, 20th Century Studios. You know, like Fresh, that was released on Hulu. Uh, no Exit. Pray. A lot of the, uh, no, a lot of the uh, 20th Century Studios movies are basically just a it's a direct to VOD pipeline. Yeah, right? pray. Yeah, pray. There you go. There's another one. We really like this year, so. I mean, you could kind of that, that you know, that's it's a little horror. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jaws Jaws was back in theaters. That had a big resurgence this summer. Number 8. Uh, what? Number 8. Oh, yeah, number 8. Um it's this is a uh, depending on how you feel, Doctor Strange, you know, one of yeah. the bigger movies of the year. Heavy horror vibe. Um so I do think that <laughs> Although I'm tired of talking about horror and I wasn't expecting this to be half of a horror podcast for half of a year. This is why I love movies. Um, and <laughs> this is just really exciting to see, you know, that this is kind of the direction that movies are going. I do think that right now we're in a very good spot. We were just talking about this weekend. It's like, wow, I have the option to see Tar, Triangle of Sadness, or Decision to Leave. And now we're talking, like, now we're back in that frame of, like, Okay, let's talk about cinema with the capital C, you know? Yeah. But we had we buffered it with uh, some horror and I do think that this was actually a good year to do it, you know? Yeah. Like although we've been we've been doing so much of it, like this year didn't make it any easier or any harder, you know? Like it was like, well, what am I not going to do these? These are pretty good movies. It was so well set up that uh, we were able to do honors to two of our mount rushmore horror directors even though the northman isn't technically a horror movie it's derived definitely it's derived from yeah it's like derived from a director that we've known for those things and i think that uh that's how well the year was set up for these directors for their shining light we were able to highlight jordan peele's um 
you know, horror films so far and um, Robert Eggers. And I think that they were just so well set up. And we had a lot of like Poltergeist's 50 or 30 years, 40 years. And then Jaws that we talked about. And like, I don't know. It was just written in the stars, his horror's year. And I don't know if I would assume based off of um, I I didn't look into it like by genres. Is it the number one, you know, in the box office or is it like kind of like we talked about? Superheroes for sure going to take that. They they only have to release three. Black Panther. Yeah. No condom forever. Yeah, no condom forever <laughs> coming out soon, and I and I know it just blows the numbers on all of these movies. But um, you know, I, I think it. I would hope it makes studios just kind of turn their head and want to make like, more let's fund horror. These. This yeah. is good for everybody if we do this. A twenty four and Neon shouldn't be the only ones giving five million to people who want to make ambitious horror movies. I think that if Fox gives fifteen million, we might get these cool. Um, crazy i mean because you know there's there's scenes in barbarian like for example you brought up where justin long's character is um looking at what frank's character did and we don't get shown those things yeah we just kind of only have to assume but i think that all comes down to budget yeah you never know in a higher budget movie you might get something even more gruesome um but it's time to end this podcast soon but this i feel like now we're kind of preaching a message you know of these studios yeah not just a24 not just neon not just blumhouse like you really have something here where if you do this correctly it's a win for everybody financially um critically uh the audience is going to get a really fun movie and it's like i don't why are you not building your studios with the backbone of horror of like this is how we're going to make our money and then we will be able to make what we actually want to make horror for everybody and how often does this shit become ip you know like i wouldn't be surprised if in two three years they were there's barbarian two barbarian three like it'll probably fucking suck but you know i just think that like we could even possibly have more studios if more people would take these chances on like yeah like you're saying these ambitious horror movies because people are gonna line up and see these terrifier joins the mcu Oh, God. Dark the Clown is the yeah. newest Dark Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough for us now. So like, comment, subscribe. Let us know how you feel about Barbarian and uh, spread the good word. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.